Real Fun DC. Hospitality and a little bit of sass are always on the menu. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hey everybody, welcome to Industry Night with your host, Nikki Nellis. Um, I have been covering the DC food and wine scene for the last 17 plus years. That's why I get not just one show, but two, which may be where you've also heard me. I also have another radio show called Foodie and the Beast. It airs every Sunday live. I actually have a co-host on that show. He happens to be my husband. I am the foodie, he is the beast. Um, and we've been doing that show for 12 years. Uh, you may hear me on WTOP Radio. I do a lot of trend reports for them. You can always follow me and all the deliciousness in the D.C. metro area at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, but most of you probably know me from online, the list are you on it.com. That is an online e-zine that I launched uh, 17 years ago to talk about what was happening in the D.C. food and wine scene. And honestly, if you dig into it today, you're going to know everything that's going on locally, a little bit nationally, and beyond for what's happening in the food and wine scene in D.C. So, look, it's tough out there. It's really tough for restaurants. And every week I remind you that if you can, you really should find ways to order in or order cocktails or buy gift cards, whatever it is, as a way to help restaurants. So as you most likely know, January is always a slow month for the industry. And when you keep on a pandemic and the loss of income from the inauguration, it makes me so angry. Um, our restaurants are resilient, but they are definitely in need. So I do have something that we can all celebrate. Um, we have an extra week of restaurant week. RAMW has launched a two-week restaurant week this year. We're in the middle of it right now. So keeping all those pandemic obstacles in mind, Winter Restaurant Week serves up a variety of multi-course menus, incredible price points. You've got brunch, lunch, and dinner. There is an amazing to-go program. And for those of you who like to drink, there is to-go cocktails and wine pairings. Um, and there are both indoor and outdoor options. So um, it's really like they're begging you to say no, because there's no way that there's not something here for one of you. There are over 200 restaurants participating, that it's more than ever, and you have everything from casual to fine dining to bars on there. So there's something for everybody. Now, are you ready for some football? Because the Super Bowl is coming, and while you can't have a party, for a crowd, you can still order in amazing cocktails, beers, and of course, a food setup. And so many area restaurants and bars are at the ready. I have a whole list on the website. And lastly, just a reminder, because this year you really have to get your tushing gear for Valentine's Day. Um, if you're looking for love in all the wrong places, I've got you covered. Um, you know, Valentine's Day isn't something that you just celebrate with the person that you love like a spouse of some sort or a partner. Um, I believe in celebrating Valentine's Day with everybody. Yes, I'm not a mushy-gushy person, but I love an excuse to give people gifts or to celebrate or to pop a bottle of champagne. So whether it's for your kids or your spouse or for your friends or for your siblings or for your parents, this is the year to let everybody know how much you love them. And there's so many fabulous ways to do that. Um, everything from sweet treats to uh, bottles of prepared cocktails to also terrific meals, gift cards. Once again, what a great way to let people know you care. 
uh, all of that and more is on the list, areyouonit.com. And lastly, my last thing that I have for you on the list, um, if you missed International Sous Vide Day, which I hosted on Tuesday, it was really quite the party, a virtual party, but a party nonetheless. Um, I did a really incredible panel interview with Daniel Balud, Kyle Connaughton, and Grace Ramirez. Um, we really dug in deep on how they're all dealing with the pandemic, but also how sous vide cooking has gone from Michelin starred restaurants to now everywhere. It's helping World Central Kitchen. You can have it in your freezer. So many ways uh, it's totally changed how we cook. So check that out as well. Okay, so enough about me um, and kind of you, but now on to our show. So a couple of weeks ago on Foodie and the Beast, I had uh, Zachary Patterson on my show and we were talking about Geneva, but that was only like a 10 minute segment and we barely like scratched the surface. So at one point I think I said to him, dude, you gotta, we gotta talk about this later because um, there's no time left. So um, instead, I said, why don't you come on this show? Because we got all the time in the world. So uh, on today's show, I have Zachary Patterson. He is founder of the Umbrella Hospitality Group, which is out in LA. And he told me when I decided to book him for this show, hey, do you know Glendon Hartley? Because he does a lot with Geneva in DC. And I was like, um, yeah, I totally do. So I also have Glendon Hartley on the show from Service Bar. Uh, Service bar, if you don't know, is like one of those places that every bartender in D.C. totally digs. That's where they all hang out. So we're going to get in to what Glendon's been up to and then their mutual love for Geneva together. But, Zach, I want to start with you. Um, so thanks for joining me again today. So, Zach, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, your restaurant group, and what's going on in L.A.? Amazing. Zach Patterson, partner with Austin Melrose and Umbrella Hospitality Group here in Los Angeles. We've got about four venues. Fortunately, two of those are open at the moment. We opened a little taqueria in the middle of this pandemic, a little grab and go concept, which we're really fortunate to live in Los Angeles and be able to do something like that because everybody loves tacos and we have access to the best ingredients to make delicious ones. And there's nothing better than a quick pandemic meal than, than grabbing, grabbing some tacos, burritos and bowls. So we've got a little bit of that going. We've got Tiki Bar. We've got a craft cocktail bar, Umbrella Co. that Glendon knows all too well that really celebrates all the styles. Hey, yeah. <laughs> celebrates all the styles of cocktails uh, from pre-prohibition to post-prohibition to some molecular stuff that we're all still experimenting and learning with. So we've got, we've got that. And then we have a little West Side neighborhood bar. It's a little desert vibes to it. So that's what we have going on pre-plague, pre but now post, we're working on a lot of things. We're doing what everyone has done and we are making change. We are pivoting and trying to really find other sources of revenues and other ways to really create an experience for people that aren't able to go out and enjoy a social atmosphere and enjoy being in a bar and a restaurant. So we're, we're working on those, on those answers right now. And it's, it's fun because this industry as we're gonna talk about for sure, from East Coast to West Coast and across the world, we're all working with each other, sharing ideas, sharing concepts, and nobody's trying to take all of themselves. Everyone is truly trying to give like, hey, I found out this works. Glendon, go run with it. Glendon's like, hey, have you tried this? It's working for us. You go try it. And it's really been a cool time to see people come together, even more than ever, 
which is exciting because this industry has already been so close knit and so beautiful and supportive of each other, but well, now it's really taking it to the next level. Well, I think what's so interesting is oh, the hospitality. A little about me and the group here in Los Angeles. Well, I, what I think is so interesting is that the hospitality industry is actually hospitable to each other, right? And for so long, there was sort of this, there was a real different thought process about how restaurateurs and chefs and bars were to each other. There was a more competitive, like people didn't play in the sandbox well, but I mean, since I've been in the industry in DC, everybody plays well in the sandbox and everybody's looking to lift <laughs> each other up, which I think is so important. So Glendon, let's just talk a little bit about you and service bar and let's just give a little pre-pandemic like this is this is what we were doing kind of thing yeah so uh pre-pandemic we were a local ingredients uh sourcing basically cocktail bar uh we had a small food menu but um you know we focused on the ingredients and the food and uh, we had a small amount of dishes but we tried to do them extremely well and uh, for the late night crowd. And that's why, that's what brought so many bartenders and people in the industry to service bars because we were serving quality food after they got off work, after they were done serving food or making drinks. Um, so we've always been um, a neighborhood bar. So we still have the same clientele that we had when you know, it was pre-pandemic. Um, changes, um, I don't know if you are aware of this, but we were opening up this uh, two level Peruvian uh, restaurants in Blackton Alley. Right? Yeah. And uh, we're still currently in the middle of doing that. So <laughs> nothing has uh, changed since last year. Uh, but we are thankfully, hopefully, going to open in um, mid-April. Mid sorry. Uh, so things that have changed, um, our whole style of making drinks has changed. And now we are a literal service bar. So we named it after the part of the, the restaurant where the bartender makes drinks and you don't actually see them making drinks. And we are literally that for our guests now. So it's, uh, it's become uh, quite an adventure. So um, during the pandemic, we started, you know, bottling cocktails, um, shipping cocktails, well, sorry, um, doing the to-go apps for cocktails and things like that, batching them so people can be uh, at their home and enjoying the cocktails in a large volume. But um, over the course of last year, we started, you know, going back to our roots, making cocktails um, uh, from scratch for every single guest. Uh, we opened a beautiful patio on the outside of our um, restaurant that actually seats more than we could inside because service bar is so small. We only seat 40 seats inside. Uh, we're seating about 40, between 44 to 46 outside, depending. And um, that's been a huge help for us. Um, the fact that we had the, um, the, all the spaces outside for us to build like an oasis on U Street um, has really helped us. Uh, so just doing that um, and the fact that we're now offering cocktail kits that we can ship across the country has really uh, helped us. Um, and I'm actually going to be shipping one to Zach uh, right after this. I asked him his address the other day, so you're going to receive uh, one of those kits. And um, just along the lines of how I know Zach and, you know, hospitality in general, like in D.C., yes, the hospitality industry, like we're such a close-knit group. And um, I've said for the last 10 years, um, the rising tide lifts all boats because once we started 
learning the aspects of how to run a beverage program and what was a quality cocktail and what is a quality restaurant, we all share knowledge with each other. And I had the, um, the benefit and the pleasure of meeting Zach a few years ago, several years ago, in fact. And um, I was doing an event out in LA and Zach opened up the doors to, uh, to Umbrella Company for me. And that's why I have uh, his logo for his bar inside the hospitality pineapple. <laughs> and I got this tattoo across the tree from his bar. So uh, that was like five or six years ago. So um, yeah, we are really, um, this generation of bartenders and restaurateurs and chefs are really communicating with each other on another level. And it's bringing uh, quality to the masses in a different way. And it's, it's beautiful. Well, I, I love that. And I, I love how you know each other. And my son, who is also in the restaurant industry, you know, Sam, he just got a tattoo yeah. yesterday of uh, the pineapple. <laughs> nice. Okay, dude. Anyway. Yes. Um, <laughs> hospitality. Yes. All about the hospitality. Well, so, you know. Did, and I have, to, I, have, I have to interject and just. Oh, I think I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we are experiencing some technical difficulties. So what better time to take a quick break? This is Nikki Nellis, uh, Industry Night on Real Fun DC. Did you know you can ask to hear Real Fun DC on Alexa? Just say, hey, Alexa, turn on Real Fun DC, and there it is. We'll be back in just a sec. It's Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. <sighs> now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hey, we're back on Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, on Real Fun DC. And we are going to talk about Geneva, the spirit, I promise. But I have two good friends uh, with me today, Glendon Hartley of Service Bar and Zach Patterson out of LA of the Umbrella Group. And they sort of had a bromance at some point, it sounds like, a couple of years ago. I mean, we're talking tattoos and all sorts of stuff. But um, it's ongoing. Zach, when you and Glendon met, I mean, what was the connection for you guys? Well, I, I'm just going to lead with this, which made me so happy because in this serendipitous meeting that I got to meet Glendon, and it really was a, an amazing, beautiful, beautiful come together of a bunch of bartenders. And of course, him and I just clicked and had so much fun, but I just have to brag about it in a second. Everyone there was there for a cocktail competition and had been flown in from all over the U.S. And everyone there, including myself, usually wins the competitions we're in. And on that one... Glendon took it home and, and won the entire competition and really showed everybody that he's more than just a handsome face and a spark of charisma. He also backed <laughs> an amazing cocktail. So it was really, really cool to watch that go down. If there's anyone I'm ever going to take second, third, or fourth to, it's going to be this guy right there. So that. it was Appreciate definitely a broken. Well, so Zach, you know, we talked about what's going on in D.C., and Glendon is doing, you know, to go and delivery and now national delivery, which is amazing. And then you have structures outside because, you know, surface bar is so small. What LA just went to outdoor dining, right? You guys didn't even have outdoor dining. So how did you, what'd you do? Well, so it's a little mixed bag. We did have outdoor dining for a little bit. They uh -huh. opened up outdoor dining they ended up closing it back down after a lot of us spent a lot of time, money and resources to invest in opening it. Then they shut it down on us, which really was a, a low blow and already a low space for a bunch of us. So, you know, we roll with the tides. A lot of places, unfortunately, I still have seen places posting that they're not opening back up. 
Um, so it's very unfortunate, very, very unfortunate. So we, we were able to, luckily we have, you know, like Lyndon does a, a strong customer support that is, you know, buying local, supporting us up. We're doing cocktails to go, which just like the kids he's talking about, which I can't wait to receive mine, by the way. And, you know, with, with you give something, something always comes back. So uh, you're going to need to be texting me your address as well, Lyndon. And they <laughs> do as well, actually. I want both your addresses. And then um, we actually are working on something, and I'm very probably similar. So I'm excited to see we're both working on on this one. We're going to be doing, we've been doing kits in, in the city, but we, we want to take it a step further. And we've been putting together a Tiki subscription kit, which is something that we are so passionate about. We spent a lot of time working on really doing a kind of next level Tiki subscription kit, which is something that, you know, like Lennon's saying, these, these cocktail kits, people are into it. They're the new bartender is the person at home who is entertaining their loved one or their neighbor that is in their quarantine group. That's the new bartender and they need the education. They need the tools and they need the spirits to do it. So being able to provide that is something that we're now looking looking to do more than we ever have in the past, which is exciting because it's it's like we get to open all these little micro bars and have all even more bartenders working with us. So that's something that we're working on right now with, with Tiki and then we're gonna move into our other venues as well. Well, I think, um, and you both can disagree with me. I mean, listen, there's nothing good about the pandemic, but there are some itty bitty silver linings, right? So these other revenue streams that maybe you wouldn't have thought of previously because it just wasn't in your purview. You weren't looking for other right. ways to bring in money. Now, when we do get back to the new normal, whatever that looks like, whenever that is, you have these other things that maybe will not produce as much as they're producing now, but you know, it's an event. It's something you can do for events. It's something you can do for special occasions. I mean, it totally changes your access, don't you think? We have, uh, I'll jump in this and I'll let Glendon jump in right after, but it is the team that I've been fortunate enough to be able to work with through this whole period. And I've amazing, amazing team that has come together. And even at the time when none of us were getting paid, they're like, Zach, awesome. We're not leaving you guys high and dry. Like we're in it. This is us. We're doing this also. So we've come together and I swear it's like every week, if we don't have a new idea that we at least throw a feasibility study and some samples out at and put out in the world to see how it takes, we feel like we're falling behind. It's, mm -hmm. We have come up with so many unique ideas and things that, just like you said, we're not in our pre like preview, like we were not looking at these things a year ago, but now we look at everything and there's no, there's no wrong answers. We have once a week, we get together, like what's the most out of the box thing you've thought about? Right. Run us through it. Let's poke holes in it. Let's go. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And if we can continue and make it through, you know, I say this year, make it through 2021 where the world does adapt to this new living and we can create profitable revenue streams to stay in business and not have to worry about what each government call to action is every other week, then we're all going to be in a very fortunate place, I believe. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Glendon, now you guys at Service Bar, you did some other pop-ups, right? Because of your new concept. Yes. So, um, so take it back to what you were uh, saying about changing our, you know, style of service. Um, service bar, because we're so small, we've always had to think outside of the box because we can only fit a finite amount of people in there throughout an evening. Right. So um, we always had Uber Eats because our food wasn't necessarily um, our, you know, gift to the world, if you will. So cocktails were always our, our main game. But um, just to offset 
some of the, uh, you know, the food that we're already making. We've always been a member of Uber Eats and we were always selling food on Uber Eats. Uh, so that infrastructure that we had already built in there just helped us out so much more because um, we were already um, trying to pack punches for people that they can just add, you know, vodka or rum to when they get home to make one of our cocktails. Um, so it definitely expanded our horizons a little bit. And um, now we know that we can run a multi-tier restaurant or, you know, pop up like I'm going to get into now um, out of service bar with a finite amount of people. Um, so yes, just to go back into the new restaurant we're opening up. Um, so Chad and myself and Carlos, we go to Peru every you know few months. Um, we love the culture, love the people, love the spirit. It's my favorite spirit. Um, I've actually been on a show with you talking about Pisco before and other types of brandy. Um, but um, we decided since we can't open our new restaurant right now, and we didn't want to uh, start showcasing the style of food that we're going to do at the new restaurant because we're going to have three different styles of Peruvian cuisine at the new restaurant. We wanted to do something that, you know, um, provides the level of quality in Peruvian food, um, but not necessarily the same stuff that we're going to sell. So we decided to do just like good uh, Peruvian comfort food, things like Lomo Saltado, which is like everyone's go-to when they go to Peru. Um, Things like um, Gausa, which obviously appropriately named um, the, no the name of our new restaurant. So um, Gausa, um, Papa's like Wakaina, uh, and other things like that. So we've had that pop up. It's called uh, Criollo, and um, it's by our chef, Carlos Delgado, formerly of um, Chinichilcano, and actually formerly of Ocopa, where we actually teamed up seven years ago to oh, right. bring a Peruvian restaurant to D.C., uh, so the new pop-up is called Criollo, and it's named after the uh, indigenous people blending with the um, Spanish people, and it's kind of like a mashup of everything in Peru, Afri African cuisine, um, Chinese cuisine, Italian cuisine, and um, Japanese. So Criollo kind of encompasses everything, and that's what the Peruvian cuisine is like now. Uh, so we just wanted to bring that to D.C. in a big way and um, not showcase things like um, pollo a la brasa, which is what everyone thinks of Peru, Peruvian chicken. So um, that's going extremely well for us right now. And uh, I hope it lends itself to us in the future as well. Oh, well, that's great. And I'm, at the end of the show, I'm going to ask for everybody's handles, but definitely give the handle for that so people know how to get access to that. All right. Definitely. I'm going to take a hard right. So we started because uh, uh, <laughs> I see the piece go. <laughs> right. So that's how this whole conversation got started. So Zach, I'm going to start with you because you are the ambassador for Geneva, but a lot of people really don't understand the spirit. So can you explain it? Uh, would love to, and I'll explain it in as layman terms as I, as I know how to. And every time I do it, I, I think I get better and better, but always open for criticism here because it is one of the most difficult to understand and yet one of the most complex spirits of the world as well as one of the oldest. So when you said a lot of people don't know it, it's so true. In fact, the campaign that I'm working on is called America's Lost Spirit because it was lost around World War I. Geneva fell out of not only fashion, just really fell off the map and America grew without knowing it, without ever really knowing it. And do you think that's because of prohibition? Was it, like, uh, was it a hot spirit here 
before prohibition and then prohibition happened and they went with what they knew it, they went with you know the witches uh -huh. and the I don't know the other spirits vodka uh -huh. spirits hundred percent. That's uh, prohibition was a big, big killer for it, as well as the World War One and then World War Two, because of where it's made. It's the national spirit of of Belgium and of the Netherlands. Because of World War One and World War Two, a lot of the Geneva distillers were forced out, and a lot of the Belgium distillers, especially because of that thoroughfare between France and Germany, uh, were all of all of German uh, would take Germany. The soldiers would go in, take over the the distilleries and melt down all their copper. All the copper stills were melted down for ammunitions. Hmm. And so everyone was defecting and going where they could be safe and where they could be away from this. And uh, it's it's a pretty wild, wild time. In fact, there's a, a brand called Deep Nine, which the history of that Geneva company, it's the wife of, you know, who ended up staying alive and, and pushing this brand forward, but her husband was, executed by German soldiers when he refused to give away their still and melt it down. And it, it was a public execution. And she was a beautiful, strong woman that was able to like go back and keep that alive and only keep it alive, but then spread it more because of that, which is a beautiful thing. But it, you know, it's, it's sad what had happened to that entire category, especially to us in the Americas. Um, at the time, Jerry Thomas's time, the imbibe time or Bon Vivant's companion, a quarter of all the drinks were Geneva drinks. New, New York was originally named, it was, a, it was a Dutch colony named New Amsterdam. Right. So, and actually a fun story, and, and I want someone in New York to fact check me, and I know there's some people out there like, like Glendon for sure probably can do this. Um, Derek probably knows this, but well, I heard a fun- Green. We should have brought Philip Green in. Oh yeah, for sure. There's, I heard a story and I, I tend to believe with this, and I know all cocktails, there's a bit of folklore and everything, right? And every good story, there's a little bit skewed, but- Hudson, New York, was a massive Dutch colony. And since New York was New Amsterdam, if you look at the first writing of the Old Fashioned, the Old Fashioned Water, Sugar, Spirit, Bitters was in 1806 out of Hudson, New York. That area was very prominently Dutch. So there's a good possibility that in that time, that drink they were talking about was a Geneva Old Fashioned or a Geneva cocktail. Huh. So really really interesting so yeah it unfortunately law the americas lost it through all of those things through prohibition and through the world wars that fell out of fashion and especially after the world wars where the rise of vodka kind of took over everything right and even london style gins were suppressed so anything that was related to that or the forefather foremother of it of course that's too far in the past so it's you know fortunately enough with cocktail heyday in play right now it's the new golden age people are going back and finding what are the roots? Where did this come from? What's the history? What's the story? And it's coming back. So yes, the campaign's called America's Lost Spirit. And it is solely based on this, just talking about Geneva and educating people at Geneva because it is so let's, complex. Let's explain to yeah. people what it is. Like, right. it's not, I mean, you know, I have a bunch of little bottles of a whole variety of them. So I know, Glendon, you're drinking, I see it. Um, <laughs> So uh, what is the base of the spirit and how does it differ and grow? And like, what is it, how did it evolve? Like, how is it, compare it today to what they were making in the 1800s? Perfect. I love that. Okay. So I'll, I'll Tarantino this thing a little bit and I'll say, and then I'll run to the back of it. Okay. Uh, a lot of people understand London dry gin and new American style gin, where you basically have a neutral grain spirit with herbs uh, citrus macerated in it, 
for the most part, and you get this beautiful junipery, herby, botanically spirit, right? right? So Geneva is the forefather of gin. Geneva could be that with just adding malt spirit to it. So it is malt spirit, juniper, and botanicals, where gin is just juniper and botanicals with neutral grain. So the malt spirit's the real big difference. Now, when you get a little more in depth on what that means, you have everything like, I'm looking behind me, you've got everything like a Bobby's style Geneva, which has lemongrass, high citrus notes, high juniper. It's only 38% alcohol, but it only has 4% malt. So to the unknowing palate, you probably would think, and even to the knowing palate, because it's so subtle, you would think that this is just one delicious London dry style gin that we're all familiar with, but it's not, it's a Geneva. Now on the flip side of that, you've got something like, I'll grab this guy over here. You've got something like this Notaris, which is a hundred percent malt base. It's got a 10 year old age, a 15 year old age malt in it, as well as an unaged rye. So this is like a super spicy, beautiful rye whiskey aged with botanicals infused in it as well. So just to bring out more flavor. So is it the combination it has to have the malt and it has to have the botanicals. And it has, and juniper. And the juniper, right. I always think of juniper as a part of the botanicals. Right. Those, that combination is what makes it Geneva. Um, mm. But Geneva to me is a very, very strong spirit. Like, you know, when you think of like a vodka or even some, like now more gins are really super floral. There's so many gins out there that really have um, you know, the real flavor to gins now. I feel like, I don't know, years ago when I started drinking, like gin was like vodka. I mean, you just put it in, right? But now it's very different. But Geneva has a real distinct flavor. So this is, so I love that you just said this because this is something that I'm trying to address a lot with everybody because 100% you are correct. But on the other side of that, we have been so sheltered from so many different styles of Geneva and it is so diverse that we've only had a small segment of what Geneva is. In fact, when I first started bartending and I saw Glendon's got the bulls there as well, bulls makes a beautiful Geneva. And that is what I, I only knew of bulls and it only tasted bulls for about eight years when I learned about Geneva and probably same with most of us because it was the first one to come back into the United States and, and show again, which also bulls is the oldest spirit brand in the entire world. So when we talk about history of Geneva and history of spirits, we definitely need to talk about Geneva. Um, though they started with their liqueurs first, but Geneva came in 1664. But regardless, um, but that's 42% and it's 60% malt and has a lot of juniper and a lot of botanicals. So like you said, very strong, almost abrasive flavor if you don't know what you're expecting. You're like, well, there's a lot there. Once you do, you're like, well, this is beautiful. I want all this. However, you know, the flip side, like I said, this Bobby's is only 4% malt, 38% alcohol. I legit could sip, anyone could sip this for breakfast. We've got another one, Smeets. It's only 35% alcohol, has a little bit of sugars added to it as well. Um, low percent of malt as well. So subtle. It tastes like you took a, maybe a Highland scotch, like a heathered honey, maybe Speyside scotch, and then just let it slowly start to to simmer and soften on a cube of ice and then sip it. And that's exactly what that tastes like meat. So there's a full spectrum of flavors, but we just haven't had the ability to try them all to learn how different this spirit category is. Well, so Glenn, 
Splendid. How did you get introduced to spirit? I mean, I know you're like, you're a deep diver when it comes to the spirit world and you have a vast knowledge of the history, but where, where did it come to you from? So during my, I call it my unpaid internship, the years when I was like still learning and still, uh, you know, going out there and trying to go to as many distilleries and going to as many wineries as I could. Um, I had always been interested in gin because it says it has such a vast history and long lasting history. Uh, so I just came across uh, bowls actually in about 2011, I want to say, um, just because I was I was deep into gin at that point because I had, you know, just learned um, what London dry gin actually was first off. And uh, I knew the differences between things um, at that point. So I was just so amazed and flabbergasted to be completely honest with you about the amount of flavor that was in a, um, a Geneva as opposed to a gin because of that malt and they pack that body and that aroma into it so beautifully. Uh, so that's when I came um, into it about like 2011 or so. And um, I just want to go back to what you were saying, Zach. Um, it is my definite understanding that um, when New York was New Amsterdam, um, it, the Geneva was the first spirit ever distilled in America, in North America. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Thank you for, uh, for letting me know that. I figured you would probably know that yeah. info, and I can't believe I haven't asked you yet because... I say yeah. this often, and then I'm always, every time I say it, I look around like, can anyone actually back that up? Or <laughs> Yeah. Well, so here's my question. So, Splendid, I'm going to just sort of piggyback on what you were saying. For people who don't know about gin, can you just give us a quick education on London Dry versus, versus Plymouth, like what the differences are? Yeah. So, London Dry is basically vodka that has a few things added to it, macerated, if you will. So you have angelica root, you have some sort of citrus peel, lemon peel, and then you have uh, juniper. And um, it, you have to have grain neutral spirit. And um, it has to be done through a gin basket or, you know, maceration, depending on what your brand is. So there's those four ingredients, and that's why I love, and I, I don't want to bring this up right now, but I love Tanqueray because it's only those ingredients, the grain neutral spirit and everything it takes to make it London dry. I think Beef Review does that as well. So there's, those are very good products to use if you want to make gin cocktails because they're super simple. Everything other than that, um, let's say, um, I think Zach brought up the American gin style. It's so far away from that over-the-top juniper aroma and flavor because it goes into the grains and other flavors mostly. I think American gins are more akin to a Geneva than anything because of the fact that you can actually taste the base product in American gins, and that's what the American gin style is. You taste, you taste everything, but the juniper is kind of like an afterthought but it's in there because you have to have juniper to make gin. And um, that I would go London dry, then American gin, and then Geneva would be its older brother. So that's kind of like the spectrum for me, well, at least. That's very, very helpful. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, 
I want to talk about how people can introduce Geneva into their cocktails and get some recommendations from both of you. This is Nikki Nellis, Industry Night on Real Fun DC. We are talking about Geneva. You have a new spirit to try. We'll be back in just a sec. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. <sighs> Serving up thought for food. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. All and right. we're back on Industry Night with Nikki Nellis on Real Fun DC. Did you know you can ask Alexa to hear Real Fun DC? can just say hey alexa put on real fun dc and then you can hear me on industry night also don't forget to follow me at n-y-c-c-i-n-e-l-l-i-s for everything happening in the dc food and wine scene on instagram facebook and twitter not really facebook mostly instagram and twitter but anyway um oh and clubhouse because now we all have to be on clubhouse but that is a total other show uh okay so geneva we are talking about this spirit I have uh, Zach Peterson and Glendon Hartley on with me. So guys, we really discussed the history of the spirit, which is fascinating, and the differences between it and gin. So why would the lay person introduce Geneva to their bar? Zach? Well, it's almost like why you would introduce anything to your bar. It's, again, one of the oldest spirits in the entire world and has such a rich history and was the forefather of modern day gin, London Dry, like we know it. So skipping out on Geneva would be missing an entire segment of cocktail history and cocktail past. So anyone who's very serious about spirits absolutely should have a Geneva, if not two, to kind of show the extremes um, on the back bar or in their bar. And the stories that go along with Geneva are so fun to talk about anyway, that every time you pop a bottle of Geneva, you can talk about how some, somehow, some way of how we live in America or modern day world, was based around things that happened in this era. So very, very good reasons to have it alone just for that. Not to mention how delicious some of these cocktails are you can make with it. Well, I wanna talk about cocktails because I feel like the best introduction to the spirit would be through a cocktail. So is it something that you're putting in a, like a gin martini, would you use it in that capacity or do we have to get a little deeper? I love that you said gin martini because as we talk about the lineage of drinks and the history, the origins of spirits, the forefather of the martini was the Martinez. And the Martinez was originally made with Geneva. It was Geneva and sweet vermouth, um, almost made in the style of a martini. And there's a couple different variations where one could have maraschino, other could have orange bitters or orange curacao, but regardless, it's the same style drink that adapted and changed over time and obviously as it traveled through the world. Um, so the Martinez, for anyone who enjoys, I would say a Manhattan or a stirred cocktail, a Martinez is a go-to cocktail for everybody. It's, it's got rich depth of flavor. The malt of the Geneva really just, you know, Glendon said this earlier, the malt just brings the flavor around and rounds it out and softens the edges and is just a beautiful drink where you can taste every little element. And, you know, to Glendon's point earlier, where he talked about new American, you can taste all these different flavors. One of the differences between a London Dry and a Geneva is Geneva needs juniper, but there's no amount that it needs. It could have one berry of juniper in the entire mash bill and still could be classified as Geneva if it has the other things. So it doesn't have to be the center of attention. And a lot of times it's not the center of attention. It lets the other botanicals and the malt run the show and it just stands back and says, all right, you're doing your job. Everyone's happy. <laughs> That's what juniper does. Juniper does this. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so the Martinez absolutely is a go-to for me. And then on the flip side, and I'm, you know, I'll start with something that the home bartender and the, any of the craft bartenders can do easily, and if it's delicious, so there's no reason not to, is just a simple Collins. Uh, a Gin Collins, a Geneva Collins, phenomenal. Uh, those are two, again, kind of extremes on this you can do that are super easy. And then, you know, the last, uh, not last one, I've got plenty I could say, the last one that I'll say before I point over to Glendon and see what he likes. So now Glendon, that, that gives you 30 seconds to think about what cocktail you want to say, um, is doing a Geneva old fashioned, depending on what the Geneva is. Cause one thing I, I like to put across and I'm going to keep saying is it's such a breath of flavor, depending on what, what Geneva you have in your hand. If you taste it and smell it, if it's high malt or if it's low malt, if it's, if it's, high botanicals or lower botanicals, depending on that, you can depend on what old fashioned you want. So just mix in with some sugar, choose the appropriate bitters and voila, you've got a Geneva old fashioned, you've got a cocktail. They wrote about it in 1806. We're drinking them today and everyone loves them. So I would say an old fashioned is such an easy, easy way to go to really start to learn and appreciate the flavors of Geneva. That is so helpful. And I think a lot of people can utilize that information with their own bars. Now, Glendon, with all your to-go offerings, are you utilizing Geneva within that? Well, to be completely honest with you, we, we have Geneva at the bar, but um, as with all things uh, COVID-related, uh, we had to kind of limit the amount of spirits that we were first off buying, and um, we had to limit it to what the guests were actually buying from us. So we... If, well, you've been to service bar, Zach, I don't think you've been there uh, yet, but our, our cocktail menu uh, pre-COVID would be either between 50 to 75 cocktails at any given point. Mm -hmm. Obviously, during COVID, we trimmed that down quite a bit. Um, so we have about 20 cocktails running now, and it's all things that, you know, we have had before that we know our guests like to see from us. So with that, there are no Geneva cocktails on the menu right now, sadly, um, but expect to see some as soon as we, you know, get over this hump or as soon as we decide to expand a little bit. Um, but um, as far as, you know, the cocktails that I like to make with uh, Geneva, um, I think Jack covered the entire spectrum of cocktail categories in that, in that little snippet right there. But um, I love... Well, my, myself and my team, we love making 50-50 martinis when we're not making full-on martinis. So okay. um, I love a good 50-50 martini with Geneva and something light like a, maybe a Dolan Blanc or a Coqui Americano, um, not a vermouth, but an Americano or Molotized wine or whatever, what have you. Um, but I love doing a 50-50 martini with uh, Geneva and a little bit of orange bitters and um, a really light vermouth like that. And um, another thing I love um, that I learned from, you know, my uh, time in the industry and working side by side uh, with chefs and learning how to build flavors, something that is rich as Geneva deserves something that can kind of cut through that and you know, um, build upon its flavor. So what I like to do is make a, a Negroni with, um, with my Geneva because I think the Campari has the balance, well, it has the, uh, the texture 
uh, and bitterness to kind of cut through the Geneva and build on top of that flavor. So you get the best of both worlds when you're using the vermouth with the Campari and a nice Geneva. And um, I found that, you know, mixing different types of uh, Amari and, you know, uh, vermouth and Geneva together um, builds so much flavor. So I just, I love a Negroni made with, uh, with Geneva, any type of Geneva. I mean, that sounds delicious. That's I love <laughs> and the idea of using Geneva, I totally can sort of feel the difference of a traditional Negroni with the Geneva added to it. Because, you know, sometimes a Negroni can be a little heavy. You know what I mean? Like it's not balanced. Sometimes the, um, sometimes the Campari can overpower a lot of London dry gins. And that's why a lot of bartenders choose to use extra gin in the cocktail to kind of balance it out. But with the Geneva, you don't need, you don't need that, essentially. You can do one, one, one with all those different flavors, and just the Geneva can stand up to any one of those flavors and be a partner in that cocktail beautifully. I love that. All right, guys. Yes. This has been so interesting. Everything we've been talking about has been really interesting. Um, and I just want to thank you both for your time. So very quickly, as we wrap up the show, um, Glendon, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your cocktails, and where they can find the menu of the pop-up you're doing. Perfect. Uh, so you can always find me at Service Bar on any given day. <laughs> and um, you can find our cocktails at servicebardc.com. And uh, click on our online store, or, or if you're in D.C., you can even order uh, through GoTab and come pick it up. or we can deliver to you as well. So we do our own delivery um, through our online store as well. But um, if you get a chance, stop by servicebardc.com and just click on our online store and you can get packages shipped to your friends uh, across the country of all our cocktails. And what about uh, the new pop-up? The new pop-up, if you go to servicebardc.com, we also have a link for that pop-up as well. So you can buy that Criollo food straight up on there. Uh, you can get it for pickup or we can deliver that as well. Okay, that's fabulous. And I just want to tell everybody, Delivery to Go Go is a local delivery company put together by the Ivy and Coney guys. They uh, pay all their drivers very well and they do not take the same kind of service charge that some of those bigger corporations do. So if you can use them, uh, you certainly should. So I just want to put in a little plug for them. Okay, Zach, you're all the way out in LA, but still, Tell us how we can find you because you had some great cocktail ideas today and you are the ambassador for Geneva. So that's, that's very to get the stuff. So tell us how we can find you and stay in touch with you. Well, that's very true. I would say the, uh, probably just follow us, follow us online at Melrose Instagram, Melrose Umbrella Co at Melrose Umbrella Co is probably the best to see kind of what we're doing here and there and the otherwise. And if, if we have any, you know, the shameless plug on, on Tiki because we're super about it and Glendon's wearing his shirt and I'm wearing mine. If we have any people who are very excited about rum, about rum cocktails and about Tiki culture, Tiki life, Tiki ambiance, uh, go to Lono Hollywood. That's L-O-N-O Hollywood.com slash subscriptions, plural, and go to that. And we have a little sign up list that just says you're interested in subscription kit. And we're very close to having that launched and ready. And it We've got a couple different tiers of everything from build your home tiki bar within a year. So a year you'd have a full on tiki bar to just flights of rums and education and interactive things that you could do just for tasting. So super excited about that. Excited about everything. 
uh, go to, I have to say, of course, because we're talking Geneva and we love everything Geneva, World of Geneva, Instagram, World of Geneva, WW World of Geneva, everything worldofgeneva.com. And that's where we're dropping recipes. We're talking more Geneva, saying when we're giving more giveaways, more trainings. And, you know, soon Glendon might be running a Geneva special because he might get a package in the mail with some Geneva in it. I don't really there know. There we go. <laughs> I, I hope so. Old, Glendon, when you do that, I don't want to have to like find out about it. I want to thank you all for your time today, for talking about Geneva, for sharing your stories about what's happening for you in the industry during this um, you know, pandemic time. Everybody has a story to share. And I, I really do believe that, um, that, that letting others know what you're going through and how you're handling it is so important. Because as you both said in the beginning, everybody's helping each other. But the way we help each other is by sharing our personal journey. And it gives other people ideas, or maybe they have something that they can add to yours. And that's so important right now. Um, and I want to say to our listeners today, I mean, you are at home, and you should be building your bar. So a little Geneva sounds like a really good idea. Play with those cocktails. The truth is, at the end of the day, you cannot screw up. If you make a cocktail and you don't like it, spill it out and start over. There is no mistakes when it comes to cocktail making. Um, I, I'm not a professional, so I make mistakes all the time. Now, the professionals, if a professional makes you a cocktail and you don't like it, that's a different story. But you yourself, <laughs> just be easy on yourself. Start playing with those spirits and um, get to your bar and enjoy. So I want to remind everybody, uh, please go to the thelistareyouwanted.com, Valentine's Day, Super Bowl, Restaurant Week. Huge promotions happening in the D.C. metro area right now and great ways to support your area restaurant and bars. I also want to remind you, gift cards. Gift cards, gift cards, gift cards. Uh, my neighborhood, we do a gift card swap exchange every month. We all uh, get gift cards from area restaurants and then swap with each other, socially distanced and masked up. But again, it's a great way to introduce your neighbors to some of your favorite restaurants and also invest in area restaurants. So um, again, please uh, follow the people who were on today, Glendon Hartley and uh, Zachary Peterson, and try some Geneva, and join us next week, because we always have another delicious show. I'm Nikki Nellis at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Industry Night. Mask up, dip your bods in hand sanitizer, and have a very safe and delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Real fun, D.C.